Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Getting the goal, but what does that mean? What is this topic we're talking about? We're looking at when we're going through, because who knows we're going we're gonna to have some disappointments in life, right? It's going to happen. A great way to start the message off. You're going to be disappointed at times in your life, but we're going to go through disappointments. But we don't want to come out of that the same as when we went into it. We want to get the gold out of it. We want to get growth. And we saw adversity equals growth, right? We can grow from adversity. And we're going through some points, and we're going to continue that because it's important to build these in our life. So when disappointments come or challenges or obstacles, we are already prepared. We know how to, like, kind of like habits. It's important to have habits, how to get through that and get whatever we can from it. I realize in my life, habits are so important. I just realized it during service because I realize this is going to sound weird to some of you, but it's not weird to me, but I can be a little weird. Whenever I preach at youth or at here, there's something I always do after worship. After worship, when I sit down, I untie my shoes and I retie them. I don't know why. It's like my way of knowing like I'm going to step into this. So I, I don't know why. So I sat down after worship and I went to tie my shoes and I realized these boots didn't have laces. I was like, I'm going to have to trust God tonight. We'll be okay. Amen. So, <laughs> so I want to continue this. So I'm going to recap really, really quickly because I want to look at we, look, we talked about mountains last week, and let's just go through the scripture quick. We, sh- we did this last week. Jesus said in Mark chapter 11, he said, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. And we see in the Bible, mountains a lot of the times are references to symbols of adver- adversi- adversities, obstacles, or something that stands in the way of us from moving forward. So we saw that that's a symbol of mountains, but we talked about this, which is cool. One fact, every, almost every mountain in the world, no matter where it's located, has some measure of gold in it, that we can get something from it. And we talked about, and we're going to continue on this theme, that one of the biggest mountains that all of us face in our life is the mountain of disappointment. Because again, we're all going to be disappointed at one point or another because number one, we're humans. And number two, we know other people, right? People are going to disappoint you. You're going to disappoint yourself. You're going to disappoint people. As long as we're still here and sin is in this world, it's going to happen. But we need to guard our hearts though because we don't want disappointment to turn into hopelessness. That is so important because you see it. If you don't address disappointment, It could turn into hopelessness. And then you walk around in a constant disappointment and a constant hopelessness. And when when we do that, when we do that, the problem is, is we miss things God can have for us. But the great thing is the word of God is full of wisdom on how to move through disappointments and into divine appointments. I said last week, don't let your disappointment make you miss the appointment that God has for you. Because if you're focused on that and if you're walking around in hopelessness, God can have something right in front of you and you would never notice it. He might have somebody for you to reach. He might have an idea that he put on your heart for you to go accomplish, but we don't want to be living in hopelessness. And then we looked at David. David, and we're going to be talking about him a lot tonight. David was a man that faced many disappointments in his life. Some disappointments has happened to him, some disappointments he brought on to himself. We saw his wife despised his devotion to God and mocked him. His own countrymen abandoned him, and he was forced to run from the king, from Saul, for 15 years. 
Then when he finally became king, his own son tried to steal the kingdom from him. His baby was, that was born from adultery died shortly after birth. And finally, before his death, he's forced to accept one last disappointment. David was so passionate about building the temple for God that he stored up resources, and they say it probably equals to about a billion dollars worth of resources in today's economy would have been. And then God had a little different plan for him, though, because in 1 Chronicles 22, it tells us that God spoke to David and told him he was not the one who would build the temple because David shed too much blood on the earth. You want to talk about disappointment in a natural sense, how natural that can be for some of us. Imagine something is so on your heart to do, and God's just like, you're not going to be the one to do that. But it didn't go wasted, and we're going to see that. But we've looked at God was more concerned about the man of God that David was coming, becoming more than what he accomplished. And one of, the, one of the main things we talked about last week was this. Who we become is more important than what we accomplish. God cares way more about who we become than what we accomplish. Not that what we accomplish isn't important. Because it is. God has plans. He has his will for all of us. He has things for us to accomplish. But if we're doing that, we're not becoming who he wants us to become. We're not becoming more like Christ. What does it really add up to? And I've noticed if you're focused more on who God wants you to become, what you accomplish will all actually line up. And it will line up because you'll end up doing it for the glory of God. Who we become is more important than what we accomplish. And then I looked at three points we talked about of how to get the gold out of every situation, and we're going to look at more tonight. But the three points we talked about last week was, number one was, be honest and open with God. This is important, and we looked at David. David, we're looking at the Psalms, and we're going to be looking at the Psalms pretty much all tonight. The Psalms are amazing. I encourage you, if you've really never went through them and studied them, go through them, because it's just real stuff. It's real, the Psalms. David wrote most of them. There's other people that wrote them too. But be honest and open with God. Be honest with him about how you're feeling. Don't be afraid. Like, sometimes we can pretend like, God, I don't want to actually say this to you because I don't want you to know this. He knows. You're not hiding anything from him. He wants us to be honest and open to him. And a lot of the times what I've realized in my own life is when we're honest and open and we actually start talking things out, sometimes the solution actually comes up instead of just trying to press it and pretend like nothing's going on. Because we do that. A natural thing is we're just going to push it off. We don't want to address it. We don't want to pretend like something's going on. And then what normally happens with that? It ends up boiling up, and then we just explode at some point. So to get the gold out of every situation, first be honest and open with God. And then take responsibility for your actions. <clears throat> if some disappointment happened, maybe because of a decision that you made or, or whatever it may be, take responsibility. But no, when we, it's something when we can just say, God, listen, I know I did this and I'm sorry for that, I repent, but I know you're going to walk me through it. But when we take responsibility for that, it's just something that it actually, to me, I know so when I take responsibility for something, it really makes me want to move forward. It makes me want to walk through it. It makes me want to get through it. And three is never misdirect anger. We talked about it. It's okay to be angry. We saw David. We read that one psalm. He was talking about crushing people's teeth, and God crushed their jaw and all that stuff. He had a bad day. But David didn't, he went to God first. And then he, we talked about it. it's okay to be angry, but it is not okay not to forgive. We need to forgive. We need to release that in our heart. If we're trying to become more like Jesus, think how much God forgave us. Why shouldn't we forgive others? So we need to forgive. And there's something about that. When we can release that forgiveness, there is this power in that. A lot of times we're releasing it. It's for that person, but a lot of times it's for us too. 
so we don't walk around with that heavy heart because you're really not going to be able to grow and get gold from a situation or a disappointment if we're walking around in unforgiveness. God has called us to walk in love. So that was last week, and this week, we're going to be looking at David, for the most part, again, here tonight. And we're going to be looking at the Psalms. And we're going to be talking about Joseph for like two minutes, if that's okay with you guys. But most of the time, we're going to be looking at David. And David, we know he was far from perfect. But he was a man that loved God, and he seeked God. And we can completely learn from his life. And he was a man that you saw, he went through disappointments, but he got the gold from mostly all of the situations. He grew, he learned something. And I want to look at this time that David had adversity right in front of him. I want to look at Psalm 142. And this is a psalm that's written by David. And this psalm is really, it's kind of like a prayer from David to God. And it's interesting from studying this psalm to figuring out what point in David's life this psalm was taking place. This psalm says it was written, David wrote it in a cave. And there's two instances in the Word of God where David was in a cave. And as you go through the scriptures, you'll discover that one of those is in 1 Samuel 24. There's a reference to the cave of En Gedi. And you may not recognize that name, but you're probably familiar what happened in that cave. In that cave is where David saw Saul, and Saul had his back to him. And David had an opportunity where he could have killed him, but instead he just cut off a piece of his robe. So that was in that cave, but if you really read this psalm, it doesn't line up with him being in that cave because he didn't write it saying, like, God, I just cut a piece of his robe or anything. So it doesn't really line up with him being in that cave. There is another cave, though, that's mentioned in the life of David called the Cave of Adullam or Adalam. We'll say Adullam. And if you go to 1 Samuel 22... There is mention of David's involvement with this cave, and it really helps us put this psalm into perspective and understand it a little bit better. In the context of 1 Samuel 22, is David is running from his life. He's running from Saul. Saul is trying to kill him. He's jealous of David. He's angry. He's mad. He sees David as his arch rival. He chased him all over the countryside, and he's after David's head. And then finally, we pick up in 1 Samuel 22, verses 1 through 2. It says, David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. That's a great, when you're disappointed in something, a great group of people. So he became captain over them. And there were about 400 men with him. Imagine that. David goes to this cave. I'm sure he's disappointed. He's discouraged. He's on the run from his life. And all of a sudden, everyone who is in debt and everyone who is discontented, everyone who is in distress, just gather to him. So David, the thing I love about this psalm is he writes, he's real, and he writes how he feels to God. He's writing about his discouragement. He's writing about his disappointment. And I want to look at the first four verses in this psalm, in Psalm 142. And a lot of us probably have felt this way before. We're going to look at the first four verses. David says, I cry out to the Lord with my voice. With my voice to the Lord, I make my supplication. I pour out my complaint before him. I declare before him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then you knew my path. 
in the way in which I walk. They have secretly set a snare for me. Look on my right hand and see, for there is no one who acknowledges me. Refuge has failed me. No one cares for my soul. We're going to stop there for now with this psalm. Sounds like a guy who's pretty discouraged in the moment, who's disappointed, who's going through, he's obviously going through an adversity. Saul is literally trying to kill him. He has an obstacle in front of him. And we've all probably felt like that at some point in our life, if we're being real and honest. But I want to look at these next four points. What I want to talk about here tonight, going, how can we get the gold out of every situation? And these four points that we're going to talk about is we see, we've really seen David demonstrate them in his life. And we're going to be looking at some scriptures, too, in the Psalms that he wrote. So I pray we just open our hearts and we could build these into our life so we can make sure that when we go through something, we don't come out the same. We come out better. We come out stronger. And most importantly, we come out with a stronger relationship with God. So. Going off last week, we talked about, again, those three points. But going to the next point, how do we get the gold out of every situation? And David understood these points. So the next one I have is this. Determine to believe the faithfulness of God. Notice it, determine to believe the faithfulness of God because we have a choice. We Our perspective, we could put our perspective on God's faithfulness or we could put our perspective on our circumstances. We need to determine to believe the faithfulness, faithfulness of God. And honestly, we've all been, probably been there. Sometimes maybe you feel like God's forgotten you. And again, that's an incorrect perception, but in the moment, that perception can feel like it's real. But what are we going to do? We need to determine to believe the faithfulness of God. God understands that it's hard for us sometimes to separate truth from lies, from the lies in our heads and the grips of our emotions. So as we see with David throughout David's life, God allows us time to come to our senses. At times, we may think that our feelings actually escape God, but they don't. David wrote this. I love this in Psalm 56, verse 8. David says this, you keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. David drew comfort that knowing that no matter what he was going through, God knew about it. God was there for him. God loved him so much. He says, he says to God, you have collected all my tears in your bottle. Those tears did not go to waste. David trusted God with his life and with his future. We need to do that. We need to ask ourselves that, God, am I trusting you with my, with my present and with my future? And he wasn't, I love this, because he wasn't embarrassed. David was a man who was not embarrassed. He wasn't embarrassed about the tears he was shedding. And we don't need to be either. And honestly, I've noticed that that level of honesty, when we can have that level of honesty with God, it gives birth to worship. When we can be honest with God, it gives birth to worship. And then, honestly, it ends up turning into praise a lot of the times. But when we can have that real relationship with him and knowing how faithful he is, David communicated his love for God in these words in Psalm 42, verses 1 through 2. He says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When I can go and meet God, when can I go and meet God? And of all the times David faced disappointment, discouragement, an obstacle, an adversity, no matter what maybe, he knew he could still trust God. And he wrote in Psalm 27, these are words of faith. I love this. He says this in Psalm 27, verses one through three, he says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? 
When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. David determined to believe the faithfulness of God. And then he spoke these faith-filled words. But to get this point, to live out this point, there's something that God spoke to me, said this, in order to have faith that, faith that speaks first is faith that seeks. We need to speak faith, but we need to build that relationship with God to where we can have that honest relationship with him, that we can be real with him and that we're seeking him daily, that those words of faith just come out of our mouth because they're so real in our heart. When disappointment comes, when an obstacle comes, your focus isn't on the obstacle, your focus is on God's faithfulness. And you're saying, God, I'm gonna believe in you, I'm gonna believe in how good you are and your faithfulness and not in my emotions, not in my situations. So I wanna encourage you, Get that habit in your life more than anything. Seek God every single day. Through his word, through prayer, seek him. And then you will be speaking that faith. You will be speaking the most powerful thing there is, and that is the word of God. We need to determine to believe the faithfulness of God when situations arise. The next point, and this one is so important. Remember God's timing. When you're going through an obstacle, when, you're, when there's a, looks like there's a huge mountain in your way, whatever it may be, remember God's timing. Because honestly, and I, we all could probably think, sometimes we're not ready for what's in our heart. God still might need to do something in us. We might need to mature in some areas. Going back to David, although he was passionate about building the temple, God said not yet. But just because he said not now doesn't mean not ever. Because he said, Solomon's, your son is going to build this temple. You're going to have a son and he's going to build this temple. Delay does not mean denial. Joseph, I wanted to switch to Joseph just really quick and we're going to go right back to David. But Joseph, and going to the book of Genesis, I encourage you, it's chapters 37 to 48. If you read the story of Joseph, it's amazing. But as a young man, God gave Joseph, he was the son of Jacob, a promise that one day he would rule. But then for the next 13 years, everything went exactly opposite to the promise. Have you ever felt in that situation where God puts something on your heart, you need you know God to accomplish, and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, everything, it completely does not feel what it was supposed to line up. Because we're thinking about on our time. Like this is supposed to happen now, God. For the next 13 years, everything went exactly opposite to the promise. His brothers who hated him sold him to the Egyptians, as a slave in Potiphar's house, he was falsely accused of raping his master's wife. Then he was thrown into prison and forgotten. And we think we have a bad day. Sometimes. Joseph, though, refused to let his circumstances shape his outlook. That is important. Because going back to determining the faithfulness of God, we cannot let our circumstances dictate what we believe about God. He allowed no self-pity or bitterness to rob him of energy. Instead, he chose, I love this, he chose to use each circumstance, whether at home, at Potiphar's home, or in prison, as God's appointed place where he could serve him with all of his heart throughout those 13 years. And God eventually blessed Joseph and made him a blessing to others. Instead of using the delayed promise as a reason to grumble against God, Joseph kept it in the back of his mind to give him courage and strength. He let go of expectations of how and when God would carry out the promise. But in the meantime, if you go and read the story of Joseph, God was actually up to something much bigger than Joseph could even imagine. 
and it would happen in God's time. Because God, God sees the beginning from the end. We just see here and now, and that's why sometimes we can get discouraged or we can get disappointed. Sometimes we don't even know our miracle is literally the next day or it's a month down the line, a year down the line, but we just see here and now. But that's, again, going back to disappointment. We cannot let it turn into hopelessness because God sees the beginning from the end. And in God's time, Joseph's life's changed. His wisdom and loyalty was recognized, and eventually he became Pharaoh's right-hand man, the second in command over all of Egypt. And in this role, Joseph ended up saving the lives of his whole family and became reunited with them, and he also saved most of Egypt from starvation. God's timing. Some of us, honestly, sometimes we're not ready to even handle financial blessing yet because we, we would just go blow it. It's true. It's, it's true. Some of us, sometimes we're, we're not ready for a relationship. We want a relationship so bad, but God still wants to do a work in you. So you're ready for that relationship. You know, just a quick story. I love football. I'm a huge 49ers fan, I know. Not good. But I get so excited for every season. I get so excited for every season because every team starts off at, of, at zero and zero, zero wins, zero losses. So to my friends, the whole offseason, I just trash talk because, like, they haven't started losing yet. So this year, the outlook actually looked pretty decent for them. People are like, oh, they might make the playoffs. They're like the worst. They have the worst record right now. But they're like, they might make the playoffs, et cetera. So I was so excited going into this season of football. And the season started, and, and they, the first week they lost. The second week they won. So going to the third week, I'm excited now. They just came off a win. The last couple seasons, that didn't happen until, like, the season was almost over. So I'm, like, riding a high right now. And the week three of the season I knew I wouldn't be home to see the game because we had, we had to be somewhere, so I was, I was taping it. So I was telling Bianca, my wife, all week, I'm taping this game. I'm going to have to avoid people and all this stuff so they don't tell me who wins. I want to be able to come home that night and watch the game. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. So she's even telling people, like, do not tell Matt the score. Please, he'll be so upset. Don't tell him the score of the game. Don't ruin the game. He's taping it. So we're out that day, and I'm, like, not avoiding people, but I'm, like, literally walking to my friends, and, like, I know them, and I just walk in, like, don't tell me to score, guys. We're talking about the game. Can we stop? Like, I'm, like, announcing it. Like, please don't tell me about the game, so I'm telling everybody don't. And one of my best friends, Mark, he knew the score of the game. So he didn't tell me it, though. But he did something. <laughs> he did tell somebody about it. So anyway, I'll get to that in a second. So we're getting ready to leave, and... We're getting ready to leave. We're all packed up. We got our baby. I put her in the car seat. And I'm like, I made it. I'm in the clear. I'm going to get home and watch this game. And Bianca walks next to me. And I say, Bianca, I'm so excited. I'm going to get home and watch this game. And she goes like this. She goes, she goes I am so nervous for you. <laughs> I found out Mark told Bianca what happened. I said, what? She said, I'm, I'm just so nervous for you when you watch this game. I said, I said why? She said, because I know what happens. I said, oh, let me guess, they won. That's why, so I was like, I was like what are you talking She's like, ah. So I'm not going to lie, I got pretty mad. It was, it, I'm, not a, I'm not proud of it, but I got, I got mad. I was like, how could, you, how could you tell me that she's just like, because look at that game, they got killed and the quarterback tore his ACL and he was out for the year. Like my favorite player, it was terrible. So I'm like, I can't believe you told me the score of the game. The whole ride home, I'm like, you were the one person that knew all week 
didn't you say in your wedding vows you would never tell me? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and she said, I just, she said, I just know you'd be upset. I was like, I'm a grown man. I said, it's fine. I said, and if you thought I'd be that upset, just, you could go in the bedroom. I don't know. I'll be fine. So anyway, so we get home. And I was like, oh. so I was like, I might as well watch the, the six-minute highlights, I guess. And I'm watching the highlights. And I'm going, oh, my God, this would have been terrible to watch. From the minute the game started, they, I mean, they were getting killed. And then the quarterback tore his ACL. was terrible. And I realized in that moment, my wife knows me best. And she was just looking out in her mind, which is just football. This isn't a huge deal, but in her mind, she had my best interest at heart. She's just like, he's been suffering so many years from them. <laughs> but I noticed, I'm like, my gosh, she had my best interest at heart. Delay does not mean denial. God has our best interest at heart. So you might think you're ready for that relationship, but God says, listen, you ain't ready for that relationship, girl. That guy doesn't even believe in Christ. There's somebody that's going to be faithful to him and love him more than he loves you and is going to strengthen your relationship. But we want to rush into things. God has our best interests at heart. We can trust him. Delay does not mean denial. A lot of the times, delay, it's not denial. It's just time to prepare for the promise. It's time to prepare for what God has for you. He has our best interests at heart, and you could trust that. You can trust he has your best interests at heart. So that's the next one. Then the next one is this. Is, and we've seen this throughout David's life. is Stay in God's face no matter what disappointment we experience. When we experience a disappointment, do not, please, the last thing you do is do not draw back from God. Do not say, I'm going to do this on my own. Don't draw back from him. Press in. Press in. Although David was disappointed, he kept, it, he kept in God's face all the time. He said this in Psalm 105, verse 4. He said, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face evermore. No matter what the cause of your disappointment is, always see God in the disappointment. Not as the reason of the disappointment, but as the redeemer. God doesn't bring the disappointment, but he will walk us through it. He is our redeemer. So when the disappointment comes, say, God, I'm going to see you in this because I'm going to see how faithful you can be. I'm going to see what I can learn from this. I'm going to see what I can get from this. Amen? David became a person God held himself held in high esteem, not because David was always perfect, because he wasn't, or because David always succeeded, but because David learned from every disappointment. He got the gold out of every mountain. The last point, this one is so important, is this. Never lose hope. Again, going back to hopelessness, we've kind of, we've kind of been hitting on this We've kind of been talking about this a lot because, only because I see it so much, how easy disappointment can turn into hopelessness. Never lose hope. Joe Osteen has had this amazing quote. He said this, and also I want to say this, lost hope will cause you to miss your season if you live in hopelessness. But Joe Osteen said this. He said in Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5, there was a woman who had been sick for 12 years. The doctors gave her no hope. When she heard that Jesus was coming through her town, something deep on the inside said to her, this is your season, this is your time to get well. <clears throat> In the natural, when she saw all the people around him, she thought, I'll never get to him, it's so crowded and I'm weak. I just don't think I can do this. She almost, she could have missed her season. But instead of dwelling on those negative thoughts, because I'm telling you, our thought life is one of the most important things. 
When thoughts come, don't dwell on them. Dwell on what the Word of God says. Because eventually, if we don't watch that, our thought life becomes our, our spoken life. We start speaking what we're thinking. Almost everything in our life starts with a thought. Almost everything. We don't just wake up and just do something. It's normally something we were thinking about. Watch your thought life. So he says, but instead of dwelling on those negative thoughts, she started reminding herself, if I can just get to Jesus, I will be whole. And we know, if you know that story, she touched his robe and she was made well. And God, and Jesus said to her, your faith has made you well. But think about that. I mean, just, that she, I mean, if you think about it, she lived out all these promises that we just talked about, all these points. She determined to believe the faithfulness of God because she knew, if I could touch Jesus, I'm going to be healed. She, she didn't, draw back from her discouragement. She pressed in. She pressed through the crowd. She didn't lose hope. And if she would have stayed home dwelling on the disappointments of the past 12 years, I think 12 years, every doctor, you're not going to get better. Spent all of her money. You want to talk about how easy it could be to give up. Sometimes, and I, I'm, listen, I'm not passionate because I've seen it in my own life. Something goes tough, I can give up after a day. Oh, you all looking at me. You do too. Twelve years, God's timing. She knew, I'm going to get healed. I'm going to touch Jesus. So what'd she do? She didn't miss her miracle. She didn't, she didn't stick in the hopelessness. She pressed forward. Do not lose hope. We need to deal with the disappointment and put it behind us. We need to get real. And this is, keep trusting God, speaking of his goodness and not your failures. That's important. And I want to go back to Psalm 142. Uh, Mackenzie, can we bring that up from verse 1 again? We read the first four verses. And you want to talk about never losing hope. I want you to try to, we're, I want us to catch this. Going back to this Psalm 142. So we know we're going back. David wrote this in the cave of Adullam. And we saw, he goes there, he's running from Saul, and he has all these people, says they were in debt, discontented, in distress, gather around him. The best type of people you can have in this situation when you're going through something, Right? And David said this. He said, I cry out to the Lord with my voice. I mean, we read this already. But I want to read it again. With my voice to the Lord, I make my supplication. I pour out my complaint before him. I declare before him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then you know my path. Then you knew my path. In the way in which I walk, they have secretly set a snare for me. Look on my right hand and see, for there is no one who acknowledges me. Refuge has failed me. No one cares for my soul. Just stop on verse four quick. That's where we stopped. But you want to talk about David, who didn't lose hope. You want to talk about David, who determined to believe the faithfulness of God. You want to talk about David that knows that God wastes nothing. There's still three more verses of this psalm. Thank God. Verse five, look at this. He says, refuge has failed me. No one cares for my soul. And then all of a sudden, in verse 5, I cried out to you, O Lord. I said, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise your name. The righteous shall surround me, for you shall deal bountifully with me. He wrote verse 7 without it actually happening in that moment. He was declaring what was going to happen. He was declaring, God, the righteous shall surround me, for you shall deal bountifully with me. David did not lose hope. He knew that this, he knew it. And this is how we get the gold out of every situation is we know no matter what the circumstance, God is greater. We know that we're going to have hope, not hopelessness. We know that God wastes nothing. 
the cool thing is, is in this cave, those 400 men that gathered around him that said that about them, some of those men, it was the beginning of the group of select and courageous fighting men that David gathers around himself that came from these men. And they're actually listed by name in 2 Samuel 23 and the accomplishments they did. In the natural, David could have easily given up. But what did he do? He realized what was going on. He was being real with God. But then he recognized that God is my provision. Then he summarized what was going to happen. And it did. David got the gold out of every situation. Because he got to a point that he had that relationship with God. That nothing would trump that relationship. That no circumstance, no obstacle, no, no adversity, no matter what, nothing. He knew nothing was greater than God's faithfulness. I want to leave you with these, these words that David spoke through the Holy Spirit himself. And he said this, grab onto this in Psalm 27. I would have lost hope, I would have lost heart, sorry, unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage. He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. So how do we get the gold out of every situation? Going back to these points. Make sure you write them down. Number one, be honest and open with God. That's where the relationship starts. Get to the point you can be completely honest with him and open with him about everything. Also, run to him first. A lot of the times, we go to 10 other people before we go to God about something. Go to God first. I'm not saying, don't get me wrong, surround yourself with people that are going to speak faith into you, that are going to speak life into you, that are going to lift you up, that are also going to be real with you and tell you sometimes when, when, you, when you did something. But first, always go to God. Be honest and open with him. Take responsibility for your actions. When we do that, I'm telling you, that even builds our relationship more with God. Because we say, God, again, I did this, but you're going to walk me through it. I'm, I'm going to learn from this. I won't do it again. Never misdirect anger. Walk in forgiveness. Do not walk around in unforgiveness. Honestly, the next points won't even work if you just have a heart of unforgiveness. Determine to believe the faithfulness of God. Remember God's timing. Stay in God's face no matter what. And never lose hope. We can get the gold out of every situation. We can grow. We can become more like God. Because again, going back to week one, remember God cares about who you, more about who you're becoming than what you accomplish. And I just know we'll, have some, we'll hear some testimonies and stories about things that, disappointments that come up, mountains, obstacles that we walked through and we came out greater on the other side. We came out stronger on the other side. We came out as a testimony to help somebody else, whatever it may be. So God, I just thank you that we can come before you. And I pray for everybody here, Father, that you, you bless us, Father, with your presence. You bless us with health. You bless us with contentment. Father, especially that when we're waiting, Father, that we can have patience and that we can grow in you, grow in our relationship with you as we seek you, as we don't draw back from you, but we press in. Thank you that you supply all of our need. I pray for everybody in here that you reveal yourself to them in new and fresh ways, Father. I thank you, Lord God, Father, that whatever obstacles come up, Father, whatever adversities come up, we can actually be like James, what James said. Is it says, when trials come, consider a great joy. 
because it's an opportunity to grow in our faith. And we could see it that way, Father. We could see you in the disappointment. We could see you as the redeemer. We could see you as the one who supplies our needs. We could see your faithfulness. And I just thank you for that, Lord. Father, I pray for anybody in here, Lord, that they, if they have not received your son, Jesus, that there is just something on their heart because that's where it starts. That relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.